Oh my god, welcome back to the Gentleman's Dojo! Usually there's a chorus of guys doing that with me. Patrick Keene is out at a wedding. Gary Cannon is stuck at Conan O'Brien. That's okay, because I'm super excited about our guest today. Recently worked with this gentleman. Um, we're going to get right into it. Recently worked with this gentleman for the first time on another period. Natasha Leggero's great show on Comedy mm -hmm. Central. But yeah, everybody knows you're from Silicon Valley, but you got this incredible book, How to American. Um, I got to tell you, I was blown away at how great a read of it was, how inspiring it was, and as an Asian American, how much I really respected and appreciated not only this book, but your work. How about it for Jimmy Oyang? Hello, sir. Author. Thank you. Comedian. Actor. Great to have you, bud. Good having you. This Thank you so much. How does it feel to be an author? It doesn't feel anything. I, I don't. I don't anything? feel anything because you know. I, I don't know if it's an Asian thing or just a comedian thing. Yeah. Like I just go through life. I'm working. I'm doing interviews now for the book. But it's like people keep telling me, "It's like, dude, you're a published author. You know, that's like a lot of people's dreams." I'm like, <laughs> I was just working, you know, and yeah. I got a paycheck for it. That's that. But how did, how did the book come about? Because look, you've yeah. got. Everybody knows you, but I think you're on the brink of like doing some really incredible things with Crazy Crazy Rich Asians and um, and then obviously Patriots Day that, that had come out. So you're getting really like your foot in the door with with the feature work. But I think Crazy Rich Asians is going to be one of those things where you know, much like I guess I guess like Black Panther, right? Hope so. Um, yeah. There was this huge push in terms of getting it out there for the sake of diversity, but then it ended up being a great product, and the book's phenomenally popular. But you're on the brink of a lot of great things. But how did this in particular come about? I think it was well. I started to stand up, you know, mm -hmm. and I've always looked up to people like you, Ken, Bobby. You're right. And those you're right. Guys, yes. Right. That's right. Yeah. That, no, it's true. <laughs> it's actually true. <laughs> No, seeing you guys do it kind of was like, oh, shit, I can actually do this, you yeah. know? And then I started to stand up. And maybe and even better. I, well, maybe. Don't you don't know, take your shirt off know. like Bobby, so you definitely, yeah. <laughs> In due time. They pay me In enough, time, I'll take yeah. my shirt off. Um, so I, I always started to stand up, and I made some headway. I got on, like, Arsenio. I was doing mm -hmm. some, like, um, and then I, I got a couple videos on YouTube that went viral. But I was never, like the staple guy at like comedy store, Laugh Factory, or improv. It's partly laziness. Also, when I right. first moved from San Diego to LA to really do the comedy stuff, I kind of got into the acting stuff a little more. And right. that was working out for me, which is great. Um, and there's just so many stories I wanted to tell in my stand-up, mm -hmm. but I couldn't quite figure out how to tell it, right? Like right. a little more like relatable stories, true stories about my life, immigrating here when I was 13, working in a strip club. So I just start kind of writing it down. Mm -hmm. And uh, next thing you know, I had like two sample chapters of like me working at a strip club and like me first coming to this country when I was 13. And I had a book proposal. Mm -hmm. And so from that, it expanded out to a book. And eventually, I mean, the hope is uh, I want to maybe do a one-man show off this or a TV show. And, and we'll see. Yeah. yeah. I, I got to tell you, because it's funny you mentioned that. I just seen um, – I literally just went to Berbiglia's show in Vancouver and after I had read this, I, was, I thought I could see you doing exactly. I mean, look, Berbiglia's a great storyteller, and he's, he's awesome. done it so many different yeah. times. With but his new hour, the new one, is phenomenal. When I was I was reading this, I was like, I don't see why this couldn't be off Broadway or Broadway, or even turned into a film itself. In all the trials and tribulations, and there's so many endearing stories in here. 
And I thought it was fascinating, too, that you kept a log of your auditions. Yes. Do you want to talk about that for a second? I've never seen that before. Yeah, one of my favorite parts of the book is an audition log. Yeah. Um, so it's the 101 auditions that led to my 102nd audition, mm-hmm. which was Silicon Valley. So I kept really detailed notes uh, of, like, how was the casting director if I've seen her before. So I can go back and look at it. Right. So for the sake of the book, it was just a list of roles and, like, um, uh, what the network was for. And and a lot of it in the beginning was like uh, Asian bartender or like Asian nerd <laughs> mathlete or something like that. So it's interesting looking back and it's kind of fun. But for me, it was kind of like a tool right. to be better at my auditions because it was hard, man. Like mm-hmm. auditions, like one of the hardest things out there. And it's a totally different sport in itself than stand up or comedy or just acting. Right. I, I think that it's like the toughest part of the gig is the audition. I think once you get there, absolutely. Then, then you kind of like. But even then, it's it's always nerve wracking because you're like, am I gonna fuck this up, or whatever. But but yeah. you you go into even how, you know, ju- we'll just go to Silicon Valley. But then we'll we'll uh-huh, talk uh-huh. about uh, the genesis of this all. But I I thought it was fascinating too how you're talking about how you did some. You had a few lines here and there in season one, and then you're still driving. Uber. Yes, between season one and season two of yeah. Silicon Valley, I was driving an Uber. And there's this great story you <laughs> you have about you're 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 still taking acting classes yes. and you're going back and forth, <laughs> and then you have this great story about this this hot chick in your class. Oh yeah, you know. Um, so I was still well, basically, I <laughs> first season I wasn't a series regular. I was p- getting paid like SAG minimum, right? Right. On three days of work, you made like twenty seven hundred. I made twenty seven because like it's nine hundred yeah. bucks a day. I made twenty seven hundred dollars, and I put that as a down payment uh, for a two thousand and six Prius, so I can drive Uber and sustain myself. Yes, because I didn't know if Silicon Valley is going to have a second season, and I didn't know if I was even going to be back if right. there was a second season. So I was still taking acting classes, and acting classes was like more expensive than my rent. Mm-hmm. And I think this was an improv class, and um, you know, usually I go to class and I fire up the Uber app. Yeah. And then I matched immediately with like this hot girl in my class that I had a crush on. <laughs> and I was I was like, oh fuck, should I cancel this? But she saw my face already, so yeah. I couldn't do it. So then I came around the block and. Right when I was thinking what to say to her as I pull up, I was yeah. about to pull up. She canceled the trip. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm just like, my car is there. I'm there. She's there. And I had to say something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, Jennifer, so uh, you still need a ride? Because uh, I'm, I'm your Uber. And then she's like, oh, no, it's okay. My boyfriend's picking me up. Double, double it was whammy. Just like, I just wanted to drive that car into the beach that day or something. <laughs> it was bad. Um, one of the great things I, I thought, you know, again, we'll, we'll you know, Let's just talk about your family for a second. And and then because there's, a, you know, the Patriots Day, I thought, was such a great. It, it was. But I, I want to go back to your family. Sure. So you, you came here when you're 13. Is that correct? From Hong Kong. From Hong Kong. And, you know, I have my own experiences. I think anybody that, that's in this field has their own experiences. But but go into it because you, you definitely discuss in, in the book about how your family's perception of what it is you're pursuing, and then <laughs> there's that great story again. Once you once you have it, and you're sitting down with your mom watching Silicon Valley. Yeah. But but I want to know what it is that they initially thought to when they're seeing, the you know the proof of what it is, all the hard work you've done right. to end up on such a an iconic show like that. I mean, their hope of immigrating here is for me and my brother's education, so right. we get a steady job, something they never had growing up during the communist revolution in mm-hmm. China. So that's all they wanted for us. And um, my dad will always kind of just 
poke at me, like like make sure I do the right thing, mm-hmm. you know. So he will always growing up. I'm sure a lot of other p- parents told their kids too, or Asian parents especially. He will tell me pursuing what you love is how you become homeless. Like being an artist, that's not a thing. Okay, <laughs> right. That's a privileged white person thing. That's not what you do. Yeah. Okay. You go to college and you go get a job in finance as a doctor or as a lawyer. You know the, the cliche shit. Right. And then I did go to school for finance, mm-hmm. five years as an economics major. Um, and I finally graduated and I got an internship um, and a job offer from Smith Barney, which is like one of the like very fancy you know, financial firms right. that my dad had previously worked at and he had friends in there. Mm-hmm. So when they offered me a job, like my dad, I never seen my dad so happy. He's like, Jimmy, you know, my, my friend's going to offer you a job when you come out. And I loved your father in the documentary Abacus. Oh yeah, same, yep, yeah, same guy. You know, he's indicted <laughs> by the federal government yeah. for. Uh, <laughs> people keep asking me, "Have you seen Abacus?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> motherfucker, I haven't seen that." Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, so he was, and then I had to tell him, "I'm like, Dad, I, I actually hate this job. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what I want to do, but right. I just know I want nothing to do with this job." Where I kind of picture myself sitting behind a desk for 40 years, and I've never seen him like so sad and disappointed. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Well, do you have another job lined up?" I'm like, "No, I'm gonna try this stand-up thing." He's like, yeah. "What? What? Like a like like a talk show? <laughs> like he doesn't know what stand-up is like? Like a talk show? You going to be Gene Leno?" I'm like, "No, no, no. There's so many things wrong with that statement just now." <laughs> um, and and eventually, um, yeah, I just had to like really felt like I had to disappoint him for a few years right. in order to not disappoint myself for the rest of my life, you know? That's such a great mantra, and, and it's something you had mentioned a few times even in interviews I've read, and there's, you know, other Asians that are quoting you, uh, <laughs> I, I think, that you had retweeted that I thought was really, really sweet. And I, I, I think Jim Carrey had um, said something years ago where he watched his father fail at a job he hated. Why not fail at something he loves? And right. I think that, that that's something that's... I think, again, it, it's like when we think of the American dream and you think about, you know, how to American, I think there's no better message than what it is you're relaying right now. Right. And and, and you know what? Um, I'm not saying this is right for everyone. Right. Because I think this is what makes us who we are, uh, comics and actors, right? Mm-hmm. Because so many people will find the security so safe and nice, you know, sitting behind a desk job, working at Smith Barney, feeding their family. Right. But there's maybe something wrong with me or something in my genetics mm-hmm. that is like, I can't do this. I'm not okay with this, right? Right. So I'm just saying to those people that say you're not okay with this, don't force yourself to do something, mm-hmm. you know? And hopefully, because for me, my parents never gave me the permission. And when nobody gives you permission, nobody in my family kind of went into the arts. Mm-hmm. You don't think that's possible, Right. right? And it's kind of serendipitous in a small world kind of way. My commencement speaker was Mike Judge. Wow. The man that created Silicon Valley go, eventually. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Beavis and Butthead, King of the Hill. And this was 2010, mm-hmm. five, six years ago before Silicon Valley. And before I knew I was going to be an actor, before I even thought I was going to be a stand-up. Mm-hmm. And his speech was about how he was a physics major from UCSD, same school I went to. Right. And he hated it. He was working in Silicon Valley in the 80s, and he hated the culture. That's why he made Office Space. And then when he finally found, like, an animation studio, that's when he knew he found his passion. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, man, this dude. Because when you, as an outsider, when you see people in Hollywood, you're like, this dude either, like, got a rich uncle that was in the movies or he knows somebody or something, right? Mm-hmm. You don't think that's a real thing. But Mike just seems like such a real normal dude. Yeah. That I was like, oh, shit. And he was a UCSD graduate that was just as lost as I was. Mm-hmm. 
and then he muttered around and found his way. So that really spoke to me. And then eventually, five years later, I got on Silicon Valley and he gave me my big break. Yeah. And he didn't know I was sitting in the audience, you know? Of course, yeah. And it just so happened. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Patriot's Day for a second because mm -hmm. I was really impressed with the fact that you, I think a lot of a lot of actors would take the gig, right, and be, oh, I'm, I'm in a feature film, and you look at the resume, and Peter Berg's directing it, and it, yeah. it's really exciting, right? But you looked at it, at least from what I gathered, as almost like you were honored to convey this this gentleman's story who did a very, very yes. heroic act. And not only that, you studied, you because you're Chinese, he has a different accent. You studied four hours a day to get the accent right because you really took on the onus of making sure that you were privileged with this ability to t to convey this man's story and you wanted to do everything you could in the right way. I, as as a reader and as somebody who's, I guess, a, a, in entertainment, you, you go, wow, I, I wish everybody would have the professionalism that you did. But but go ahead and tell me, tell the, <laughs> sure. tell the folks what, what your experience was, but then also what, you know, he had communicated to you. Yeah, so Patriot's Day was about... Uh the Boston Marathon bombing. It's a movie directed by Peter Burke with like Mark Wahlberg, J.K. Simmons, John Goodman. Mm -hmm. Like everybody was like an Oscar winner nominee. And then I get to be like a part of this movie and have a pretty big part of it. Yeah. So it was such an honor to begin with, right? And then I get to play this based on real life Chinese immigrant character, Danny Mang, who was carjacked by the Boston Marathon bombers. And eventually after they drove him around for an hour and a half at gunpoint, he escaped on foot and call the police that eventually led to the capture of the terrorists. Because they were headed to New York City. They correct? were headed to New York City mm -hmm. with uh, pressure cooker bombs to bomb Times Square. So if it wasn't for Danny, who knew what had happened? Right. In a way, this Chinese immigrant became one of the very few Chinese immigrant turned American heroes. Right. Yeah. Right. So I was like, oh, my God, this is a rare opportunity, first of all, as a Chinese American mm -hmm. to play somebody like that and portray Chinese people in such a good light, especially a Chinese immigrant like myself. Right. So I really took on the responsibility. And a lot of times, you know, we think, oh, we got the job, we got the audition, let's celebrate, and that's it. Mm -hmm. But for me, I knew that was like, I needed to do this guy justice. Mm -hmm. It's my first feature debut, I need to do well by myself. Right. And you know, they trusted me to be opposite Wahlberg and Simmons and all those guys, so I had to do it well. So every day, I basically, I try to go back to my immigrant self. And, you know, I try to talk with an accent when I went to the mechanic shop. Mm -hmm. I talk with an accent, you know, shopping at Ralph's. And you, you start seeing and I start remembering how people treated me. Right. Like, they're just short on, you know, they're like, what? what, Dude, I told you it's $300. Yeah. I'm like, oh, excuse me. I don't know. You know? But I'm, I'm pretending. But it reminded me of when I first came to America and mm -hmm. the uncomfortness, uh, the discomfort and everything. I just made up a word, uncomfortness. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways. Um, You're so, an author. You can do that now. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, and um, so I, when, when we shot in Boston, I was bothering Danny every other day to make sure I get the story right. Right. And also, from day one, Pete Berg and Wahlberg is like, we got to make this movie right. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just about us. It's not just about our paychecks. It's about the victims and like honoring the victims and the heroes in mm -hmm. this movie. So it definitely felt you know responsibility of course for myself just selfishly i want to look good so i get more movies right you know and uh yeah it was a really tough acting gig unlike you know your comedy gigs which you know i'm used to doing i'm used right. to turning things into funny things or like coming up with improvised lines or whatever but this is you just got to play real and emotionally be kind of open and be this guy right and um but it turned out i think really good and um 
it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Great. And um, I remember one time I got this voice. But what is it he said yeah. afterwards too to you, which I thought was sweet. Oh, uh, after he had seen it. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, yeah, he's seen it and he called me after the screening. He was like, you know, good job. Like, like you know, I'm happy with it. And, yeah. and that's all I needed. That's yeah. That's all I needed. It, the movie didn't win any Oscars or anything, mm -hmm. or it didn't even. It wasn't even a hit with the box office. But that's all I needed. And people that's actually from Boston that seen the movie. Yeah. Come up to me and be like, "Oh my God, you guys did such a good job!" You know, it makes me like feel a certain way about it. That's what's meaningful. That's to great. Me. Yeah, like you know, I wish we would have won some Oscars, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, as long as it got the approval of Danny, and um, it's all good. But I cut you off. You were gonna say something about uh, voiceover. Oh yeah, so I got this voiceover gig for a movie, and I I thought I was never that good with voiceovers. Mm -hmm. You know, I got the gig because they needed a Chinese actor or something like that. Right. So I, I, I called this voiceover coach and uh, she was like, oh, can you send me the sides? I'll help you out with the audition. I'm like, no, 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 I got the job already. She was yeah. like, uh, what? Like, wh what's the job? Like, and I'm like, I got the job already. Send me an offer. Like, I just got to be good at it. She was like, why are you calling me? Like, she didn't <laughs> understand because everyone that calls her is to get the job. Right. But right. I actually want to be good at the job. Exactly, so I don't yeah. know if that's an insecurity or overachiever, but to me, that's more important like then, then you know, I hate the audition process. Yeah. But there's some merit to it. Sometimes when say I get an offer, which is still rare, like mm -hmm. I'm not getting offers all the time. But say I get an offer from somebody I used to work with or something like that to do a movie or a voiceover even. Right. There's a little bit of insecurity. It's like, oh, are you sure I'm 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 the right person? Like maybe I should audition for you. Yeah. You know. So uh, yeah, they really confused her. The coach is like, why? <laughs> Why is this guy wasting his money? It's but. funny because actors do that. Actors will have a, an acting coach along with them, for, yeah. definitely for certain scenes and the more dramatic stuff. Uh, so I think that's just a sign of your professionalism. I think it's inspiring. Um, to, to talk about something that you address in tone in the book and I think in general in the landscape of things, right now I've always had this perception that when Hollywood, when the media thinks diversity, they think black. Uh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Black is represented when it comes to diversity. I think if you look at the different races, I think blacks are, are looking for equality, Latinos acceptance, and I think Asians ultimately are looking for acknowledgement because it's almost like this invisible minority. Yeah. Um, how do you feel that the impact of your work, the impact that this book is out there, the impact of this title, and the fact that you're part of one of the first Asian feature casts that has come out that doesn't involve martial arts <laughs> in the United States of America. Yeah. How do you feel as an Asian American who's living the story, living the American dream, and at the forefront in terms of the entertainment industry um, where Asians placement is mm -hmm. in terms of diversity and the broad scope of the entertainment industry as a whole? Yeah, I think even with the book cover, I had that cover in mind for a long time. Like mm -hmm. me, this very Asian-looking guy, yeah. but really doing the most American things, right? <laughs> like holding a Budweiser, American flag with an eagle shirt, yeah. wearing Jordans with Bad a bomb food. next to it. Right? Yeah, the exactly. Skin, yeah. But it's a joke saying right. that it doesn't matter how much I try to be American, mm -hmm. I'm still looked at as the Asian guy. Right? right, like I finally became a U.S. citizen last year. Mm -hmm. But people congratulate me, they clap, whatever. It doesn't matter. Still Asian, 
Right. Yeah. Nobody in any part of the world is going to look at me and be like, oh, dude, that's an American man. Like, yeah. look at his fucking passport. <laughs> like, he looks like Rocky Balboa. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, because their image of um, an American is Brad Pitt, you know, right. Stallone, not me, you know, mm -hmm. maybe not even you. Right. And so. Definitely not me. <laughs> <laughs> so I think hopefully, I think the, 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 um, Black people has became more American. We mm -hmm. see him in a lot of entertainment, especially with movies like Black Panther, Get Out, which I think is super important. Yeah. And um, they are viewed as more as Americans as we are as mm -hmm. Asians. So hopefully, you know, with me being on TV, writing the book, and um, with Crazy Rich Asians, we'll become more of a mainstream American person. Yeah. Uh, but sadly for now, it's still Western country, and Western means white. Yeah, and, and I don't ever try to put the burden on myself because I would just collapse under the pressure if I do. Yeah, like I'm representing all Asians, or I'm representing a billion Chinese people. You can't do that to yourself, yeah. right? So I just kind of, you know, go about do my work, and I make sure I just do work that um, that does right for me. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, just like you, just like Ken, just like Bobby, would inspire like a new generation of people, right, to do more of this and and to see that it's a possibility, right? Yeah, because before Yao Ming and Jeremy Lin, we didn't even think Asian people could play basketball. Yeah. Right? Like, you, my dad definitely told me, he's like, you, you can't be an athlete. Are you kidding me? I mean, he was right. Yeah. But I'm sure there are other Asian kids out there who, who was very athletic but ended up doing something else because they yeah. didn't think it was possible. And same thing with comedy and acting. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, even producing, like uh, Eddie Huang, Alan Yang, and those guys who, 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 who wrote their material and is very successful now. So I hope, you know, kids can see more of that. And I wish I had more of that, yeah. you know, growing up to see it as a possibility. But the great thing is you're providing it. You're a conduit to it. And I think that this is another example of success, I think, within the community. I, I was having a conversation with a, a very prominent, I don't want to say his name, but a very prominent Asian actor. Mm -hmm. Bruce Lee. <laughs> through a seance yes, a Ouija board <laughs> we're communicating um, but we were talking about how in terms of like the black community and, and you know this as a comic right you go to black comedy shows and urban right. nights or whatever they're fucking packed to the gills right yeah they support I just each other. did a, a, an Asian night five o'clock on St. Patrick's Day at Stand Up New York right uh -huh. it was half fill and I was really kind of bummed out to see that in a city of 8 million yep. that they wouldn't come and support. And I felt like, I, I, I don't think Fresh Off the Boat ever truly got the support that it deserved in terms of being the second broadcast uh, Asian-American television show. And um, what are your thoughts or perception about the community? Because I think it, it much like the Latino community, right? Mm -hmm. It's so partitioned. It, it's not just Mexicans. It's right. all these different factions. And I think that that definitely relays into the Asian community, but there is no Asian vote when it comes to every election cycle, right? It just doesn't True. exist. Nobody yeah. ever mentions it. And I think that when it comes to Asian supporting in terms of entertainment, I just don't see it as much as I'd love to. I mean, there's a reason Tyler Perry's killing it and right. breaking all these box office records and as a very successful production company, I think, because that community does support. And yeah, there are the the tastemakers and the broad comedy fans, whatever. Right. But I wanted to ask you um, what your thoughts on that were. It's tough. I remember when I used to promote shows at, uh, say, the Ice House mm -hmm. or something. And there's a big Asian community in Pasadena in that east side of town. Yeah. But... Bob's told me many times, like, I've been trying to get Asian people to come to the shows. Yeah. And even with me, 
they're having a hard time mm -hmm. because Asian people just don't really go watch stand up. Yeah. Unlike, you know, black people who always had something like Comic View and like Arsenio and right. Def Comedy Jam and great, you know, leaders like Chappelle and stuff like mm -hmm. that in the comedy world. In Asian community, there just aren't a lot, you know? Like, I don't yeah. think even Bobby Lee's fan base is mostly Asian. I don't think so right? either. Yeah, I think there's a lot of mad TV frat kids. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I have to, like, pull teeth to, like, get Asian people out. And yeah. um, a couple of my videos kind of, you know, really resonated on YouTube or Facebook even. Like, got a few million views with the Asian community. Mm -hmm. But it's still, like, you're convincing Asian people not just to come out to your show, mm -hmm. but you're convincing them to appreciate a new form of art. Right. Yeah. Especially the older generation, the younger right. generation that grew up in America, they get what stand up is. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't really any stand up back in China or when in Hong Kong when I grew up. That's why my my, my dad calls it a talk show. Yeah. So so now you <laughs> lost basically half the Asian population. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because especially ever when YouTube started, mm -hmm. YouTube became kind of like the Hollywood for Asians. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Especially for the younger generation mm -hmm. where there's like kind of a lost in translation there with stand-up mm -hmm. uh, and, and whatever. I think stand-up with the really young kids, they don't really get it. Right. They go on YouTube, right? And you got a lot of people like Ryan Higa, the Fung Brothers, you know, yeah. Wong Fu Productions, those guys. That's killing it. Yeah. And I don't know how that's necessarily going to transfer when maybe those kids get a little older. Mm -hmm. are, are they going to transfer to watch, you know, me and you on TV or like us doing stand-up? So it's still kind of like a puzzle I'm trying to figure out, you know. I think a lot of my fans that come out, um, say, to my San Francisco shows, mm -hmm. I do pretty well there. It's probably my biggest market. It's because of Silicon Valley. Right. And Silicon Valley naturally has a lot of Asian people. But they're very Americanized Asian people. And I still right. haven't found a way to get, like, the immigrants to really come out and watch stand-up. Yeah. But this book, I actually got the best message on Instagram the mm -hmm. other day. This book has, I think, hopefully it will you know, uh, kind of hit that demographic where it's for everyone, right? Yeah. Um, so, so this guy randomly messaged me on Instagram. He said, Jimmy, I just finished reading your book and totally got touched. I'm 15 and I just moved to the U.S. from China in the last August. Still struggling with the English language and your book is the first English book I ever finished reading without others' help. I hope you do more movies and books so I can keep reading and having fun. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome, yeah. If I just sell one copy of the book, this will be kind of worth it. Like this is like awesome, this gives me a reason to kind of carry on. Very inspiring. And Gary Cannon, late to the show, just walked Still in. Still coming in though. Gary, you have time for one question because Jimmy's got a. We got five more minutes. With really? Him. That's if it. If that, if that, uh, I walked in. He does have another. This guy's all over the board. He's all saw over he the board. He did the Joe got... Coy podcast. Yeah. yeah. Late night. Just did Colbert. I'm exhausted. Like I've done. Like because the book came out last week, I done like press in New York last week and press in LA. Like yeah. this is good. This is just us. I know you. We're just yeah. chilling. Like same thing with the Joe Coy thing. We're just hanging out as yeah. comics. Yeah. But there's so many. I had to wake up at six a.m. to talk to Wisconsin Public Radio NPR this morning for an hour. <laughs> you know, nothing wrong with that. But I'm just exhausted. You're moving units, Jimmy. You're I'm moving trying, units. I'm trying. It's like you don't know which one of these is actually. Gonna You're gonna move get units. a nice check from DeCapo. The Capo Press, yeah. The <laughs> Capo Press. Yeah. They did all the Stormy Daniels books. Okay. Uh, hello. Do you have a question? No, I was just going to say you were talking about markets that you're big in, that yes. you sell well in. Steve has no markets that he sells well in. So we're just you trying don't? to trend. Nothing. Don't it's bad. On, it's bad. Even with all the press that he does. The morning okay, do you have a radio question? channels you have that a he does. Do you have a uh, question? Well, hold on a second. I just got here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure I'm maybe missing it because I wasn't listening to it on the ride <laughs> over. Jimmy and I were supposed to do a show together on Tuesday night. 
the Hollywood Improv. I oh, had to miss it. Where were you? I, I three corporate gigs. It was a great gigs. show. I booked three corporate gigs that night. I'm, I'm sorry, always, you were making money. He was, was making doing, the real the capital money. Yeah, three okay. corporate yeah, no, gigs. Money. He's making out the capital money. <laughs> What's uh, books out now? Oh, here yeah. we go. I'll sell them here the books. Here comes some bullshit question. This is not a bullshit Never question. Reads. What does Anytime it mean have... to be American? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've, I've answered that question about twenty times this last week. Steve has a book coming out. It's called Transitioning from Comedy to Blue Collar Jobs. That's it's coming out. It's a paperback. And he's looking for advice on how to go from stand-up to the assembly line at Ford okay. Motor Company. Okay. Yeah. You've seen his schedule, Jimmy. Okay. Now, now, I was going to ask you, obviously, uh, you got the book out. What's next? What's the, the ultimate goal? What's, what's next? What's happening? Yeah, I think I really want to turn this book into a TV show or a film. Uh, win talks with a couple people. So maybe that's, you know, my IP for life after Silicon Valley. Yeah. You know, I'm having a lot of fun with Silicon Valley, but I think I would love to do like a Master of None or like an Atlanta, something like that. And that... Everybody knows Asian people, foreign or not, or American-born. They know the TV medium. They know the film medium. Right. So hopefully that will cut through more than the book, more than stand-up, you know. And uh, maybe from that, they can be more acclimated into stand-up. Absolutely. It is true that the whole YouTube thing is just it just kind of blew up for certain. Steve had that nail salon bit. Remember he did the nail mm -hmm. salon bit? He did that. Shut the fuck and, mm -hmm. I never had yeah. a nail salon. Mm -hmm. Shut up, Wasn't Gary. that you? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, where can everybody keep in touch with you? <laughs> so where can everybody keep in touch with you, honestly? So they can go to jimmycomedy.com. I got yep. some tour dates coming up. Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting tour because I'm going to talk about a lot of stuff from the book. Mm -hmm. Like I'm able to actually, after all these interviews, these interviews became kind of like testing out my, my material in, yeah. in front of an audience of two. You know, so <laughs> like uh, the Tuesday at the improv and I didn't know said the Laugh Factory, I was able to kind of excavate a lot of material from the book that I really want to talk about. So I'm yeah. pretty excited about that. I'm going on tour in a bunch of cities. Um, so you can go on jimmycomedy.com to check that out. And uh, oh, this Friday, I want to be a book soup uh, on Sunset. Nice. Very nice, uh, yeah. Doing a book signing. And uh, yeah, just go to jimmycomedy.com or like follow me at Funny Asian Dude. Awesome, man. I cannot thank you enough. Congratulations on the book. It was a fantastic read. It was a quick read. It was one of those books where it wasn't pretentious. You're not hammering home right. you know, anything over oversaturating a, a tone or a message, but just a great read. I really was inspired by this joke or by, by this book and, and all the great stories in it. I, I, and, and you really encapsulate the struggle of a, a young comic trying to make it and break it in, into this entertainment business. It's yeah, crazy. I, I, it's I just wanted to write something that's humorous, easy to read, because I'm not a fast reader myself. You know, well, Gary never reads and, anything. <laughs> well, you can listen to an audio book. You can listen to an audio book, Gary. Yeah, Jimmy right. Comedy, Steve Drama, GaryCannon.com. Check out those sites. Uh, you're going to be at the. Uh, uh, Book soup Friday. Book soup Friday. Yep. Steve we got to do this really quick. Now, Barnes and Noble. Who, who, is your is your bracket done? March Madness. Ooh. I don't. I don't have. I don't watch college ball. I'm a huge no? Clippers fan. I'm a big regular basketball. So you're on fan. Suicide Watch. Hey, okay. yeah. you're with Eric Griffin <laughs> oh, on God. Suicide Watch. Yeah, hey, my my team's still going. Michigan. Here I'm a big go. sports okay. guy. I played. Well, guys, if you already busted your bracket, <laughs> there's still a way to cash in for March Madness at my bookie. If you haven't signed up yet, it's not too late. Doesn't matter if you've been a player for years or like a team because their colors match your favorite shoes. Lay down some money and score big on college hoops. Join me and thousands of online players and start betting at mybookie.ag. Yes. .ag. It's not .com, not .net. Mybookie.ag. Are you sick and tired of the runaround when you ask for a payout? Come join me at book, my bookie today. I would only recommend a service that has been good to me and my listeners. That's why I'm telling you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay fast, no hassles. Join now, and my bookie will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. Ooh. Use promo code oh. DOJO 
Dojo yeah. to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. Love Play, it. win, and get paid. We've got to thank our incredible guest, Jimmy O. Yang. I had to be here before the end of this. Love this guy. Thank you. Jimmy O. Yang. And um, we're going to go out with a little little Heim. And uh, Jimmy's going to be on tour. He's gonna be, you're going to be working on... Stuff for the new for the new one man show, which I know yeah. you're gonna do, and it's yeah, gonna I kill. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm gonna do it. And Crazy Rich Asians comes out when? August 17th. August 17th. Yeah. The first feature, Asian American cast. I'm excited. Asians, get out there and support this film. Get it's your white friends. Get you your white friends. Yeah. Get the white person you're having sex with to come with you, <laughs> and and their family. Hold out the on whole sex family. The whole until family until they come. I'll be in San Francisco, Last for Lives, uh, at this uh, Palace of Fine Arts, doing a... Uh, oh, I love that place. Uh, yeah, we're doing a, uh, a nice benefit, so it's 8ADP.com, I believe, is the website. You can find everything on my Twitter, Facebook, Steve Burn Live. We cannot thank Jimmy Yang enough for coming in. Continued success. Hopefully, we get to read more from you. Hopefully, we get to see more from you. And so, so grateful that you came in today. Gary thank Cannon. You, yes. Thanks for joining. See you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Um...